Good evening, everybody. We are here for the final Q&A for this month. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and between today and 28, if the Lord comes, then this will be the final Q&A. <laughs> okay, like I said, we do not know, depending upon which of the pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, whichever you believe on, we can schedule our programs. If it's pre-tribulation, he can come anytime. He doesn't have to wait for anything. But we are here and the world is tense because of things that is happening. We got a lot of questions. Young people, a lot of young people have written from around the world struggling. Some got free today. Some got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some got the gifts. We just thank God for it all. But, uh, we trust God, He will give us the answers. We don't want to err in the answers because we want to stay true to the Lord and to the Spirit. So this evening, before we start, Pastor Vidya, could you lead us in prayer? <clears throat> Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this evening. Thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you for every opportunity that you give to us as your children to come to Father, listen from your word because even even these questions, O oh Lord, we don't have answers. It's only your spirit and your word who has the answers. And therefore, O oh Lord, every opportunity you give to us, O oh Lord, it's Father centered around your word. And therefore, we want to thank you, Father, for this opportunity, for this for this uh, 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 the, the, this methodology, O oh Lord Jesus, that we that we've been using over these days, O oh Lord. We do want to thank you, Father. And even as we go through all these questions, I pray, Father, that you'd grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, especially your servant. And I pray, Father, that you would anoint each and every one of us, even not even now and in, even in the days to come, for all those who will be tuning in. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make these answers relevant to every situation your children are going through, O oh Lord, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you once again for this time. We surrender this time into your hands. And we exalt your word and we exalt your name. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we can start with yes. the first question. So we'll start, Pastor, from the bottom. Uh, we'll look at question number 15. <clears throat> okay. um, it says, one of the most powerful influences in our lives is the people with whom we associate. In First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, evil company corrupts good habits. That is what the word of God says. Would you agree we must break off relationships that have a wrong influence on us? But then how would you help your friends to understand what they are doing or saying is wrong? And you cannot be their friends anymore. Will be lose their friendship in other words. Okay. Now, uh, let's go to scripture. Okay. Let's, uh, we saw that scripture, but I would like to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Hmm. And we understand where we come from. Verse 14. 614. Do not be unequally yoked. Okay, now it's not talking about being friendly. We are always friendly. We are not hostile to anybody. Mm. But the kind of friendship that becomes a yoke, that becomes a yoke. When your close friend, when your close friend or intimate friend is somebody who is walking knowingly, deliberately, uh, we go back to the question and keep this scripture over there, okay? Walking in that See, if you look at the questions, one of the most powerful influences in our lives is the people with whom we associate. It can be both ways. You can influence somebody else, somebody else can influence you. And it is not that we are detached from the world, but the Bible says we are not of the world. So, 
when God is talking about it, it basically it's talking about evil company, corrupts good habits. We need to first ask ourselves, am I having an influence on them or are they influencing me? Mm-hmm. Who is changing here in this equation? Who is changing? And then also, after you have been friendly with a person for a season, you will realize whether they are interested or not in change. Mm-hmm. They are not interested in okay or not. So it is not primarily talking about being friendly. We as believers, we are friendly, but we are not yoked. Mm. We are not yoked. We are not. We are not yoked with them. We cannot be yoked with them because we are yoked with them. That means two people are uh, traveling in the same direction. They carry the same kind of burden, the same kind of interest, the same kind of passion. And we cannot be having the same kind of burden or passion as them. And uh, especially if you are a young believer young new believer, one of the first things you need to realize is that first get strong. Get strong. The first thing, if you look in the model in the churches, they strengthen them. They gather daily. Mm. They gather daily. Because if you are not personally strong in your convictions, then you will automatically compromise. You will compromise because you are not strong in your convictions. The first thing that happens in a church when somebody gets saved is Teach them the fundamental doctrines of salvation, what a believer is and what a believer is not. And once they are strengthened in their convictions, that's what Jesus did. So if you look at the pattern with Jesus himself did is that he separated them. He separated them unto himself. And he walked with them and he lived with them. And then he sent them out. So when they send them out, they are going from him. So you will realize they are not compromised. They are not compromised. And you need to also need to realize is yes, uh, if you are true, I, I, I personally believe people like Joseph and Daniel were very friendly people. Mm. And if you look at them, they were always there to help the others. Always there helps. But it also kept themselves separate. When you keep yourself separate, that does not mean you are not friendly. Basically, when you go to a person who is in the world, what is that they need? They need what you can offer them, help. You don't need their company. Yes. You know, I mean, honestly, I, w- I don't need a company of a worldly person. What am I going to do with them? I would be very much bored. Because mm. after some time, the conversation is so boring. You don't know what to talk to them. And they don't look at you and they realize they can't talk to you because you are not interested in the same things. But you are never unfriendly. What do the, what do they need? They need what we can offer, and what we can offer to them is Christ. Mm. Okay? Yet we put this. We are not offended by you. We are not your enemies. But if you are in trouble, we are always there. But if you choose to go with them, that's the problem. That's what Second Corinthians 6.14 is saying. We lose. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness? Now you see what it's talk. First it used in terms of relationship. First it brings the term yoke. Mm. And yoke is a very powerful term. It's a very, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Okay. And the next words it says, take my yoke. So I am yoked to Christ. Okay. I'm yoked to Christ. If I'm yoked to Christ, at the same time, can I be yoked with 
somebody who is not in. I'm not talking just about an unbeliever, a nominal believer who is into all kind of junk. Can I be yoked with that person? The answer is no. Second thing that against uses is a very strong term in terms of relationship. What fellowship? Look at the terms because we are talking about relationship. First term is yoke. Second is fellowship. And third is communion. These are very powerful terms in terms of relationship. Am I yoked to this person? Am I having fellowship with this person? Am I having communion with this person? And God says, you cannot. You cannot. Because there is always a transference when you have an intimate relationship, close relationship. There's always a transference. So the question is, is it only one way? Iron sharpens iron. Okay, iron sharpens iron. Is it the righteousness of God, the light of God flowing from me to him? Or is darkness also flowing from okay, unrighteousness? Am I getting tempted? Am I compromising because for the sake of my friendship? That's basically what happens. I remember the year I got saved. We were undergraduate first, first year students in the hostel. There were 30 of us. And I still remember when I got saved. One of the things the mentors who brought me to the Lord told me is, and I didn't know it was, I've shared this before. It's a very smart technique. They said, next night, go to everybody's room and witness and tell that you are saved. You accepted Jesus. They didn't, I didn't realize what was happening. And after that, I realized that the rest of them were avoiding me. I didn't know why they were avoiding me. I realized my witness says, okay, you are no longer part of us. But in a way, it, it helped me. Indirectly, it helped me because I realized my old crowd was not accepting me. And the new set of believers, I have had no choice but go with them. Though as a new believer, just born again believer, I didn't like these believers. All carrying the Bible all the time, going for Bible study, YFC meeting here, this EU meeting over there. And I said, oh, Lord. But I had no choice. <laughs> and they would come and say, James, you got saved, come with us. But you know, realize that, you know, there was a separation that took place. Separation that took place. If these things happen when you are young, it is easier. I'm sure when Daniel stood up and went and said, you know, this thing and then this, you know, if you, if you notice, if you've been in a university and you've been in the mess, it's all tables all over and you sit according to according your, to your taste, likes. Okay, <laughs> likes and dislikes. Absolutely. <laughs> Suddenly you will see four young men sitting together in the mess and eating. And if you look at them, they're eating vegetables <laughs> and they're drinking water. And of course, they would have sneered at them and mocked them. And that's what happens in university. They look, oh, you think you're holier than us. We are all from the tribe of Judah. We all are these things. Oh, what are you thinking? Okay. But they kept quiet. Because even certain things which you do, which you do, okay, when your language changes, honestly, the others speak the same language, your language. You know what? Though you are okay with them, they are not okay, okay with you. But sometimes you are not okay with them because of the language they use and you realize, you know what, I can't take that language anymore. Mm. I don't use those words anymore. I need to separate. Because so you start gently by saying, can we change the language? It's not right to say those things. And they say, well, what do you think you are? And slowly you will see a separation will take place. Language happens. Habits happens. The places you used to go before, you don't go. I coming for a movie. No, I am not. What happened? You used to be always there for the movies. I know. Not interested. Things start changing in your life. And you know, you don't have to do anything. Automatically, there will be a divergence. It will happen. Light will go to light. Darkness will go to darkness. But light does not hate darkness. Darkness refused light. Light has got nothing to do with darkness. Because you see, okay, I was once darkness. I understand where you are. 
you don't understand where i am but i understand where you are very well because i was once like you a victim and a slave therefore i sympathize with you i'm not against you i'm there for you and if you look at it i mean if you look this is very powerful in terms of that question first is yoke second is fellowship yeah let's no, no, we'll stick to that fellowship third is communion fourth is accord and fifth is part what part what accord has christ with belial then what part has a believer with an unbeliever and come further down 16 what agreement so if you're talking in terms of a relationship these are all the terms that you have yes we are of one accord and question is i really are you of one accord do you agree with can you fellowship can you have communion with them can you be yoked with them so you have to decide you look at this one of the most powerful set of verses when it comes to relationship with a believer and a nominal believer a believer and a non-believer how do you want to go forward is a question and if you look at the entire thing everything is connected with your relationship with god look at that what agreement has the temple of god with idols and ultimately comes to this for you are the temple of the living god as god has said i will dwell in them and walk among them i will be their god they shall be my people and then verse 17 god will say therefore, therefore come out from among them come out from among them and be mm-hmm. separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you need to realize your entire this thing motivation behind the separation that separation spiritual separation is connected with your relationship with god he says you come out i will receive you and i will receive you and verse 18 says you will experience me i will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters for says the lord almighty as many as you received him he gave mm-hmm. them the power the authority to become the children of god but they don't experience it they don't experience it because they don't separate there is a, there is what is called a, a positional reality and there is a functional reality positional reality is as many as you receive jesus are his children functional reality is unless you are separated you will never you will it's like a child who's playing outside positionally he is the child but he will not going to experience home unless he comes in he's still a child it's always a child but as long as he's outside the case like the prodigal son he's still a son sitting in the pig pen he's still a son the father loves him and he remembers his father's house but it's just a positional but until he gets up and goes back home he will not experience what the father has for him mm. and what is the father and that's where we goof up because that's that's where the whole thing happens and if you were to really ask what i want to do is help them then let you be led by god because by compromise you can never help them never help them i'm telling you honestly if daniel has to, is become going to be a blessing to his generation it will come because he's separate and friendly absolutely separate and friendly mm-hmm. we are not we are not rude we are very friendly people we are a very kind people we are a very compassionate people get this picture because sometimes we are aloof mm. and we don't mix snobbish. with anybody's mm. snobbish we are not any of those mm. things we are very kind people Okay, but we are in love with our God, and we are content people. We don't need a friendship to exist. Mm. Okay, a lot of people they cannot survive unless they have that groups. It's a herd, but we don't need that. We have God. We are fine with it. And but uh, every decision we take is basically connected with that. How will it affect my relationship with God? 
That is the key. Will it affect my relationship with God? And if it will affect my relationship with God, then I am taking a step back. I am taking a step back. That's how we make our decisions. Yes, our friendships are the most important decisions. Go back to that question, you will see. One of the most powerful influences in our lives is the people with whom we associate. So, uh, we have to be first. As a believer, we have to be first, be friends of Jesus. Abraham was a friend of God. Therefore, God, Abraham could influence others. Okay? Otherwise, we cannot. Mm. We don't have ourselves and we will e- easily compromise. Yes. First, we have to be f- a friend of God. We are, we are guarding our relationship with God. And then we go to them. Otherwise, it will, it will fall apart. An evil company corrupts good habits. So if you know your company is evil, uh, you can be friendly with them, but you refuse to partake of their evil things. And that's how Psalm 1 begins. Okay, Psalm 1 begins with that. The entire Psalm begins with that. No, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands mm-hmm. in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scorn. That's how it, how it begins. Okay, Once you know it, and you realize it, okay, I need to separate. I cannot walk with them anymore. Okay, But if you have established your testimony on the other side, when they are in trouble, when they are in trouble, or uh, they will come to you. Like I still have my old college WhatsApp group. Okay, from 80s, all old, like my same age, older, all around the US, UK, Middle East, some of them are very senior officers in the armed forces, very senior commodore and all of them. But when they post something, they will always put a rider saying, excuse James. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse James. Because now they know what I am, they have seen, they heard, so they will say, James, excuse. Okay. So... What I'm saying is that, but they're still, we are still friends. I am friendly. But the problem is sometimes they ask me many questions. I don't even respond to it because I don't have to respond to their questions. Okay. I don't comment on their posts or anything, but you're part of that group because once upon a time you were all in for three years in the college. Okay. So we invite each other and a child is getting married. They invite me and all that is there for part of it, but they know. You are friendly, you are not hostile, and uh, you are kind, but they also know you are not part of that old gang. You are not part of that old gang. So we have to, have to. But ultimately, let me tell you, when some of them don't change, you don't have to leave them. They will leave you. They will leave you. John 3, God, John makes it very clear. They were not of us. So. They were, no, 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 John chapter 3. Oh. Because they loved their deeds. Mm. They refuse to stay in the light. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Because they don't, they, they don't want to change. And they will always push you to change. And don't compromise. If you compromise, you know, one compromise leads to another. The first compromise, it's like a journey of a thousand miles. It starts with one step. A journey of a thousand compromises begins with one. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Absolutely. It begins with one. That is where you have to, have to, but also, don't be snobbish. 
Don't be like the Hindu sages separated from everybody and they come down and they're aloof. That is not the holiness of the Bible. Please yes, understand. Yes, there yes. are people who get this up their bonnet and they are holy. They will not meet with anybody. They will not talk. I'm hearing from God. A man, Jesus heard from his father every day and walked with the crowds, friendly with anybody. We'll go to Pharisee's house and eat. Eat in the tax collector's house. Talk to a Samaritan woman. But you know what? You see that in Christian too. No, no, I am holy. I'm always in the presence of the Lord. I cannot. No, I mean, come on. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus walked with them and he had compassion and he was always kind, always willing to help and he had no issues with people like Peter and all who were not really kosher people at the beginning. Okay. Spend time with them and all. So get this picture because that is a very religious picture. Very, very religious picture, okay? Because God humbles people that way. He humbles that way because you know what? Especially if you really are having great experiences with God, which others do not know, like Elijah and all, has great experiences with God. To keep them normal, he will send them into Samaritan widow's house and says, go stay there with her for three and a half, three years. And she understands nothing about you and your God. For her to believe you are a servant of God, her son has to die, you have to resurrect him before he will say, okay, your word is true. Nothing is going to make her. And he will keep her there. Mm. He will keep her there. And then make him walk the rest of his life with a farmer's son. Mentor him. Not a son of a prophet. Not from a Bible college. It's to say that, you know what, you, you may have incredible experiences, but at the end of the day, we are all normal at the foot of the cross. Everyone is the same. So don't be alone. This is the mis- this is the mistake mystics made. People made like shut themselves in monasteries, so didn't communicate with people in all religion, even in Christianity that crept in. We are not that. We are normal people. So we are careful about the company we keep. Okay, we are very careful about the company we keep. But also remember, we have company. Mm-hmm. We are not isolated. Because if you are isolated, isolation is one of the first tactics of the enemy to destroy you. He isolates you first. Yes, please understand. That's how he begins. Never get that. Don't get If you don't fall into that trap, we will never be isolated. That's why even Jesus sent them out two by two. He said, go two by two. Don't be isolated. It is God who said, as a principle, it is not good for man to be alone. If he's alone, he will fall. He needs two is better than always one. Two is better than one. So you need a good friend, always one good friend, one good companion, godly companion. I I look into David's life and I wish Jonathan had gone with David. David wouldn't have made his goof-ups if Jonathan had been with him. He had one good, loyal friend. That was Jonathan. Jonathan was one good friend. After Jonathan, he had nobody. And Samuel had a bee in his bonnet about Saul, so he wasn't willing to mentor mentor David. And even prophets have... their attitudes. Mm-hmm. I mean, why are you sitting there and grieving over Samuel? Here is a man after my own heart. You should have embraced. Lord, this is a boy after your heart. Come, son. You stay with me. I will mentor you. That's what you should have done. I mean, you hear from God. This is the man I love. This is the man I've chosen. And, you know, all the Abhyatra and all were shivering because of Saul. Samuel was not afraid of Saul. He should have told, come and stay with me. I'll mentor you. If you are going to be the next king and God loves you like this and he's picked you like this, then you should be with me. 
But he didn't do any of those things because he was still ruminating about Saul. You know, and that's what I'm saying. You have to be very careful in all these things. Don't get your feelings and your emotions lead you. Even prophets have goofed up because their feelings. Even you got all the big prophets in the Bible. Their feelings goofed them up. Samuel was goofed up by his feelings over Saul. Elijah wanted to die because he saw himself as a failure. All of them, no? But this is where, this is all what happens when isolation comes in. Elijah was isolated. So he said, no, I have a solution for you. Go down, anoint that son of Shaphat, go with him. Because it's getting into your nerves walking alone. It's not good for you. You need company. Okay, so please understand that we need company, but good company. Mm. Bad company? Corrupts. Corrupts. Good habits. And that's what happened to the sons of David except Solomon. They all had bad company. All of them had a crook in their midst and they always listened to that crook. And that those crooks took them down. Bad company corrupts good character. So rewrite it, it with good company. Rewrite that same that proverb. Evil company corrupts good habits. So what does it good say? Company. Good company develops, edifies, develops, edifies yeah. good habits, strengthens good habits. So it's not about company. But like your friends and all, if you look at them, if they are struggling, tell them I am there for you. But if they don't want change, quietly separate because you will go down if you walk with them. But always say that my door is open. I'm always there to help you out. We don't shut doors. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Next question. Yes, question number 14, Pastor. We'll just go to another one. I think it's close to what we've already discussed. Okay. Our protection from Satan does not depend solely on our being Christians, but on our obeying God's directions, right? Would you say the blood of Jesus does not protect those who continue in disobedience? Yeah, if we continue continue in disobedience, uh, knowingly, willfully, the Bible talks about it. See, our protection, our protection, if you look at uh, Job chapter 1, it's a man who is walking in obedience. If you go to the book of Job chapter 1, Got it? There was a man in the land of Uz. His name was Job. The man was blameless. That means he's walking in obedience. You need to be blameless only in the context of the knowledge of God you have. Mm. You cannot be blameless the way God is. Mm. Perfect. Okay. Within the knowledge of God you have, within the knowledge of what God expects from you, you have to be blameless. He was upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Then if you go to verse 8 to 10, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household, around all that he has on every side? Okay, so there is an hedge where did that hedge come from? The hedge God put. Yeah. But what was his part in building the hedge? God doesn't do usually anything in isolation. Everything he does in partnership with man. Remember Psalm 115 verse 16. Yes. The heavens the are, yeah. are God's and the earth is given to the sons so of man. So whenever God does, the heaven and even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of man. So he always does something with man. So God puts a hedge around. It's a spiritual hedge. That God built. But what is Job's contribution? It is his obedience. 
as he walks in obedience, he is supplying the material to build. If he is walking in disobedience, God cannot build a hedge. Mm. So there is an hedge. So when you walk in obedience, you know what? The blood of Jesus protects us. The blood of Jesus protects us. Now go to the book of Hebrews. When it will stop protecting us, therefore. Chapter 10. The book. First, let's have that question over there and then come to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 onwards. Question number 10. Question number 10. That question. 14, 14. Our protection from Satan does not depend solely on our, of our being Christians, but on our obeying God's directions. Would you say the blood does not protect those who continue? Now, you need to understand there are two parts of this question if you look at it. Um, the two levels of protection. One is a protection which God gives you where he protects you from every attack of the enemy. Hmm. Okay. The second level of protection God gives you is the other level of protection God gives you is what is said. You can do what you want to do with Job, but you cannot kill him. I will use you as my instrument to bring him into even more righteousness. Hmm. Okay. So if you are a child of God, hmm. And you're walking in disobedience. God will beat the daylights out of you. Mm. But he will not destroy you. Amen. He will not destroy you. Understand that principle. Okay? And he will not. If you are a true child of God, he will allow the enemy to to, to come out. He will use the enemy situation, circumstances which the enemy creates to discipline you. <clears throat> that is absolutely clear from the book of Hebrews. But connected with the blood. Let us go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. For if we sin willfully... It's okay, willfully. After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will cover, devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. So very scary powerful. I'm not talking about people going to that level. Mm. That level is a very dangerous level. But God does. When you continue in disobedience, God does start. Let's go to another psalm. Go to Psalm 118. And you will see the same principles are all over there. Yes. Psalm 118. Hmm? Okay. Got it? Yeah. Verse 10 onwards. It is better, to, yeah, all nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Mm. Okay. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. It's a real picture of a spiritual battle. Mm. Somebody is going. Now look at verse 13. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. Okay, you push me. The enemy is pushing. The Lord has, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Okay, verse 15. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live 
and declare the works of the Lord. Now he's talking about an entire battle is fighting. But verse 18, he tells you, God is there. The Lord has chastened me severely. But one thing he has not done, he has not given me over to death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the entire battle is fighting. He's winning the battle against. Sin is winning against. But why are you in this battle? It's God. Okay. Mm. And he realizes, okay, one thing will happen. I shall not die. I may come close to death, one breath away, but I shall not die. And I will come back and I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me. How is he chasing me? It's those people around me or the nations around me. Like bees, they are stinging me. The demonic through people. I am being afflicted left, right and all. But it is the chastening of the Lord. Okay. Yes. I that's, guess, yeah. Uh, that's the, I think there's, the, there's a very, there's an interesting corollary to this question. It's question number 12. Question number 12. Um, why would you say God is allowing us this, this to, uh, this to go on and on and loving America and America, America to go, to go through, through such a crisis? Such a crisis. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's America's, America's situation. Don't compare it with, uh, Gentile nations. Okay. Don't compare it with Gentile nations. Go with me to the book. Oh, there are patterns established in the Bible. If you go to the book of Judges, chapter 2, and verse 10 onwards. Generation. Okay, 10 onwards. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. That's where the problem comes. You see, the gospel has to be passed down from generation to generation. Truth has to be passed. Don't assume the next generation knows it and they will automatically walk in. The knowledge of God has to be passed down. When you do, don't do that automatically. Our default setting, please remember, is sin. Our default setting is not righteousness. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So every child that you, you birth, Positionally is holy, not functionally. Yes. By the faith of the parents, positionally holy. First Corinthians 7 will talk about that. But functionally, no, is born and sin. So the child has to come to know God one day. But if he doesn't, verse 11 says, this is what happened. Then the children of Israel did evil. Why did, look at, look at, if you can put 10 and 11 together. Yeah. Then you will understand the crux of it. 10 and 11 together. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then, that is the reason. If you do not know God and do not know what work God did for you, like if you if you hear the stories of the pioneers of America, how God was with them at every step. They were crooks also. Yes. They're not talking about like Israel coming out, even among the mixed multitude was there everywhere. Mixed multitude. Even in after the judgment of the flood in Noah's Ark, one ham came through. Mm. Okay. So that will be always there. <laughs> okay. One fellow will be always there who will create. Jesus prayed through the night and picked to 12 and one Judas was there. But, okay. So they all came in the pilgrim fathers and all came. But you will see God divinely protected them, guarded them through attacks and sickness and famine and all. And they should have passed on that stories to every generation. So there are two things that mentioned. One, they did not know the Lord. Two, 
nor the work which he had done for Israel. These two things. When this, when that knowledge is gone, because remember in the system, in this system, what, like even in our system in country in which we live and US, if you understand, if you were to put this in modern context, what systems do is that every system, the devil systems, God is always after the young. Mm. It's always at the young. And therefore they will very systematically go after education. Because the plan is long term. So you will see in the name of syllabus, they will change history. They will change history. If systems go like this, the way it is, Jesus' tab is to come. In 20 years' time, 25 years' time, a generation will rise up in India who will look at Gandhi with contempt. Gandhi will contempt. Okay, there's a generation that's already risen. Half of India has no value for Gandhi or anything and all. Because the change, narrative is changing. How do they do? By changing, erasing your history. They change and erase your history. Same thing is happening in U, in US. The founding fathers, their statues are being pulled down and because this is, this is erasing of your mm-hmm. history. Because in everybody's history, there is good and bad. But if you look in pioneers, always there will be more good than bad. Otherwise, you cannot establish a nation or an institution. Everybody who has started something, the good over the evil, that then only a nation can be established. So the founding fathers were actually all very praying, godly men, and even the ones who came. But now history is being erased. Here also history is being erased. What happens in the kingdom of God? When you know, lose the knowledge of God and what he has done, People, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and yes. served gods. other gods, the Baals. They start serving other gods. Look further down. What does God do? They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. What did he do? And they forsook the Lord, served Baal and the Asura. They're going, now the gods are, it's all becoming the God of prosperity, the God of pleasure. These are the two gods over there. These are the two. Baal is the God of prosperity. Asura is the God of pleasure. So basically, these, you ultimately, when you leave the living God, you start serving these two things. Ammon becomes your God. Pleasure becomes your God. And the Bible says, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hand of the plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Verse 15, when wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. And as the Lord had said and the Lord had sworn to them, they were greatly distressed. And verse 16, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those. When they cried out, God delivered them. If you look at in America's history, when they took God out of their classrooms, God out of their public square, after Second World War, America has never won a war. Never won a war. America. They had to withdraw from Vietnam. They had to withdraw from Iraq. They had to withdraw from Afghanistan. And they are no longer in, in, in Korea. Everywhere they had to withdraw. You know why? God delivered them into the hands of their enemy. Though they are the most powerful nation on earth, they could not win. Because America will not win because of their military superiority. They and Israel will only win if God is with them. Otherwise they will not win. 
It's a true story for all of us. So if you ask the crisis that is happening into America, because America has the majority in America, if you look in population-wise, is hostile to the living God. And in a democracy, numbers matter. They are hostile (coughs) to the living God. They are very hostile. Okay, And therefore, the crisis will continue further and further. They are being given into the hands of their enemies. China owns America. The leadership is owned by China. Yeah. He's given them over. Okay. Russia is a small little nation. Okay. Russia for all that has weapons. They don't have manpower no to hold anything. I don't know what they're doing in Ukraine. Ukraine has 44 million people. How can you hold a nation with 44 million people with 200,000 soldiers? How long will these 200 soldiers stand? How are you going to handle this? What are they thinking about? I mean, they're stupid. They miscalculated. Okay, miscalculated. It's going to be a long, drawn-out battle. You know? So it's a stupid. I mean, Russia can never hold nations because they don't have manpower. You need. There are only two nations who can actually, if they have that kind of military. It's one is China, one is India. Yeah, exactly. It's not only two nations with one billion plus people. Nobody else can hold the nations, but we can't because we don't have the money. China is dangerous. So if you look at it. Why is America going from crisis to crisis? Is because God has sold them over. What is the way back? God has to raise up a judge who will bring them back and win. They have to cry out to God. That's a pattern over there. Every time they cried out to God as a nation, they cried out, Lord, deliver us. God raised up a person. And when that person was there, things were... I mean, honestly, if you look at it, there was a cry five years ago, Lord Rescue. God raised, literally raised up a judge called Trump. And four years, U.S. was, I mean, in the U.S. reached its peak suddenly. Poverty will and America's military became powerful. Nobody dared to say anything. Honestly, if you ask if Trump was president, would Putin go into Ukraine? Who didn't dare to go into Ukraine? He will not go. Consequences would be severe. Would Kim Jong too be shooting missiles? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Okay. And would China be threatening Taiwan? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. Because they knew he was, I mean, one of the things they said about him was that they knew he was unpredictable. Unpredictable, yes. They wouldn't know what he would do because he's not a politician. Nobody has read his mind out to know what he is doing. And America has power, unbelievable power. They can mess a nation up. China knows they can mess you up. By sanctions, not the kind of sanctions the Biden administration is doing. That's not the kind of sanctions because they haven't sanctioned, they haven't taken them out of SWIFT. They should have done it. And you would, because once you take them out of the banking transactions doesn't take place. And real things, I mean, Trump would have done, known what to do it. Okay, but the Biden administration did exactly the opposite and strengthened Russia and China. Actually did. Russia and they strengthened them in these two years they made them strong and so it is a plot and in that plot uh, the American leadership is also involved they are involved in it okay they are involved in it because you need to realize there is this uh, cabal that controls America for them they like war Mm -hmm. because they can sell their weapons it's huge money for them lobby the military pharmaceutical industries there complexes there they like diseases they like pandemics and they like wars because they make money out of it
You have to realize in these two years of COVID, the amount of money the pharmaceutical industry has made. Billions and billions. Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, all of them. Even here, look at the ones who got Patmasri and all, but they have become billionaires. Those who brought Covaxin and COVID and all just made billions. So you need to realize there is an agenda behind it. People who make money out of the misery of others. And it is pestilence and it is war. So there are, is a lobby in America which loves 10-year war in Afghanistan, 20-year war in Iraq because they are selling weapons. It's huge what they sell. And they create and keep crisis going on. Because, you know, they will make one nation fight against other nation and tell you, you know what, I will sell you my arms to keep you safe. And they will sell the other thing. Thing. I will sell you also over there. So there are nations over there. They are part of this and we are fools to believe that one side is fighting against the other. No. It's innocent people. So you need to realize America will go from crisis to crisis to crisis until they repent. Nevertheless, God raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand. When it, when it happened, when they cried out. If America cries out, but I'm telling you, there's no long-term solution. Yes. It's all short-term solutions. Ultimately, the, the, the world is going down, 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 down. It's going down. End up with the Antichrist coming in. Okay. The pictures of the rulers you have around the world, you see, are nasty, brutal, authoritarian pictures you have everywhere. 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 Yeah. It's a picture of the Antichrist who will come. The beast will come. He will come. The Antichrist will come. And because by then, there will be people who will be used to the Antichrist because many Antichrists have come. They will get used to the fellow. And people will have been subdued, subjected to both to, to brutality on the streets and also given over to pleasure, compromised. So they will say, Antichrist is fine. So why is America going through this? It's because. And US, UK, all of them. All the European nations are all going through that. They're all going through that. The reason is because they broke covenant with God. Mm. So even at an individual level or a national level, it is, the, it is the truth. This is ultimately what will happen. God will hand them over. But the other side of the truth is that he will save the remnant. Out of Israel scattered them to the ends of the earth, but he brought a remnant out. Israel, two-thirds of Israel will be destroyed during the Antichrist, but one-third will come through. The remnant will come through. The same thing with the church. A huge chunk will fall away, but a remnant will come through. So God is watching. It's not that he is casual or he's disinterested, no. So we have to look at it. Of course, in the flesh, we want, Lord, I pray, Lord, restore this, restore this, restore this. But we don't know the other That's side right. of the thing. Therefore, even when we say that, we still know ultimately, Lord, your will will be done. We have nothing eternal over here. It's all temporary. The world and its desires are passing away. But he who does the will of God. So God is allowing this to go on. All we can is expect a temporary truce. Pray God raises up him again another four years to put our act like put your house in order Order. before you go home. We need breathing space. Honestly, I'm telling you, if he had been president, none of the crisis we see today would have happened. Would have happened. If he had come back as president with the Senate and the Congress, That's solid, it would have been a different four years. He would have changed the whole world around. Because 
America is the only nation which has the power to change global politics. They have the power and the wealth and the resources and the influence to change it. Either way, destroy or change. Yeah. Oh, one question I just want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about uh, cryptocurrency and uh, the influence that it may have in the global economic uh, exchanges, right? Now, if, if in, in other words, dollar may not be the standard you're saying in, in, in terms of... Uh, it is changing. Right now, dollar is, for a season, it thought it wasn't, but then all the crisis took up, dollar went up, euro went down, and the Chinese one is, what is that? Yuan. Yuan is there, but it's still the dollar. But what happens is when you have uh, cryptocurrency. cryptocurrency coming in, uh, it, it is not about, it is, cryptocurrency is not about the dollar. You cannot hold a cryptocurrency in your hand. Even your online transaction and all this, if you want, you can take your yeah, ATM cash. and still withdraw cash. cash. It's a promissory bill. Yeah, it's, it's something. Oh, yeah. But with the other, there is nothing. And everything is electronic. And the problem when everything goes electronic, the control is in the hands of somebody else. Those who control the system controls. And you cannot buy yourself. This is a simple, simple principle. I'll make it very simple. If cash is in my hands, I exercise control. If it is online, somebody who is controlling both the internet and the electricity, the power and all the servers, he controls. And whenever God, whenever the God, whenever the government wants, they can shut it down. They can slow it down. Can slow it down. Yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday or day for yesterday, between 12 to 2, all the servers of HDFC were down. Afternoon. It was not working. You couldn't do any transaction. Okay. And they will say regret. We regret the inconvenience. What is it? What is it? We regret the inconvenience. Okay. So that's basically what happens. We, all of us know during the COVID times what happened. Okay. Banks were shut. ATMs were empty. Because you want to go withdraw money from the ATM, they have to first put the money into the ATM. Right? If you had cash with you, but everything was shut, anything that has to be ordered had to be online, what did you do? What could you do? You know, they are preparing us for something. The system is preparing us into something. We need to realize we are smart. We understand that. We are not, uh, like Jesus said, be smart, be wise as the serpent. Don't be ignorant about the way the world is working. And some of the issues with Christians are they are very ignorant. Mm. Don't be ignorant. Ignorance is not a virtue anywhere. Mm. Okay? Don't be ignorant about the world. Jesus warned us, be wise mm. as a serpent. What is a serpent's wisdom? His wisdom is the wisdom of the world. Mm. Be wise as a serpent. Be gentle as the world. As a dove. Oh. Don't be part of them, but understand how their system works. Mm. Because the problem is that you don't understand the system, how their system works, and God gives you a revelation. You don't know how to use the revelation in the system. Mm. You don't know how to use it. Because you, you don't implement it. Yeah, you don't have to implement mm-hmm. it because you don't know how the system works. Mm. So don't be ignorant. Okay, be mm. very, very knowledgeable about how the system works mm. and use the system to your own benefit. Use the system. You can be in the Babylonian court and ultimately turn the Babylon court to serve you. 
Okay, that's how you have to. That's what Joseph and uh, Daniel all yes, said. They were in Babylon and they turned the narrative around and got Babylon to serve them. Mm. Okay, because I mean, this one of the one of the days I want to teach you is that wherever you are working, okay, one of the fundamental things about success in God's kingdom a principle is that wherever you are working, you have to come to a point where you are indispensable. Indispensable, yes. You are indispensable. Mm. They cannot do without you. They cannot do without mm-hmm. you. That is basically what happened. Egypt couldn't do without Joseph. Mm-hmm. They cannot do without Daniel. Babylon, Babylon couldn't do without Daniel. They needed Daniel. Daniel, Daniel did not do. Mm-hmm. I am willing to retire and go home and eat my kanji and sleep, pray three times a day. I am good. But they needed him. Whenever there was a crisis, there was only one man who had a solution. Okay. Elisha. Yeah, every time. Every time. time all of them. No, they had a solution. That's okay. Mm. And that is a fundamental principle in the kingdom. Wherever you are, that is where the spiritual exactly the spiritual gives you an edge over the others. Okay. And you need to realize you have to be really, really spiritual, not just ordinary spiritual, Mm. because on the other side, the demonic is also spiritual. spiritual. Their enchanters and witchcraft people will bring a solution. Absolutely. But that is where you have to engage in battle where their solutions don't work and yet you have a solution. Okay, that is a spiritual battle. Like I said, on Mount Carmel, if Elijah first has to mind the prophets of Baal, so they can jump and shout and they can't bring rain, they can't bring a spark, they can't do anything. Because if they do, he's dead. Okay, he's dead. But after doing that, he needs to bring fire down. Even, even otherwise he's dead. Otherwise he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> the people will kill both parties and get rid of both. Okay. These both are a headache for us. <laughs> so that is how it works. So why is God allowing? Honestly, individual level or a national level. If you forsake your God, God said that. If, isn't that first Corinthians, Chronicles 30, 15, second Chronicles 15, 2? Fifteen three. Three is about the yeah, yeah. yeah. If you forsake me, I'll yeah. forsake. Yeah. Second Chronicles fifteen two. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Yes, the Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He'll be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. He will forsake you, and that's what happened to America. The same history of Israel. Jeshurun grew fat, and, and he then he kicked God. Wax fact, Jerusalem's another name in there because that's a problem with a personal or national prosperity. Can you handle it? Mm-hmm. Rudy wants to be rich, but question is, can you handle it and stay close to God? People will say, oh, look at Abraham and all. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Abraham's heart? <laughs> Do you have Abraham's heart? Can you really, really handle wealth? Can you really, really handle wealth? And the thing is that, you know, most people cannot, cannot handle wealth. The problem is not with the money. It's what the money does to you. It gives you power. In this world, money is power. In this world, I, money I is think Derek power. Prince was the one who said, mm-hmm. uh, one, he was, uh, somebody was praying and he said, uh, Lord, how much is one minute? He said, uh, it's like million, million mm-hmm. years. Um, Lord, uh, how much is million dollars? It's like one, one, one rupee for me. He mm-hmm. said, Lord, uh, I need a million dollars. He said, just please wait, wait for one minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for one minute. <laughs> we cannot handle it, <laughs> Honestly, most people cannot handle it. We cannot handle it. So it's not that God doesn't want to prosper because riches are his. So his wife should be rich that way, because he has made you rich in faith. 
rich in faith, and faith is the currency of heaven. Okay, but the thing is that we need to have money in this world. Because if you don't have money, you cannot truly be a blessing. You cannot truly be a blessing. You want to bless somebody, you need to have something to give. Mm. Something to give. And uh, my fundamental principle from the kingdom of God is that you need to be rich in at least one thing. If it is not money, you need to be faith of yes. Faith is a common thing. If somebody becomes rich with wealth, it is because he learned by faith how the financial principles, that was his gift. But you need to be rich in something. You need to be rich in something. Okay. That is the principle. You need to be rich in something. And you cannot be poor. If you are poor, you contribute nothing. Nothing. You are a burden. You burden to the society. You burden to the church. You are contributing nothing. Mm. Okay. And in God's kingdom, there are no paupers. I still remember the year 2003. I went to Nepal from the Bhutan border, not from Assam. I walked in with another missionary. We both in. There was this UN camps for the refugees from Bhutan. Yeah, yeah. Now they're all gone. The videos are. They all been. They were. They've been living there for 20, 15, 16 years. They were all Hindus when they came in. Then they got saved in their tribulation furnace. And we're having a pastors believers conference. So we had a Q and A session. And one of the questions that came to me was, this was the question. They said, we live in these small little huts. We are given 10 kilos of rice, or 5 kilos of rice, little salt, this thing, little vegetable we grow from the UN rations we get. We are not allowed to work in Nepal. We are not allowed to go back to our home country. We cannot all go into India. We live and die like this until the UN resettles us somewhere, but we live and die like this. We have nothing. So what do we give? Because what do we give? Because we are here. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So how do we give? And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. This question looks like, look at them. Truly, they are poor people. They said, if we could work, we could give, but we are not allowed to work. Three governments won't allow us to grow. We live like refugees, die like refugees. That's when I said, Lord, I gave me an answer. I told them, this is what the Lord says. He said, you go to any country, any place. What do people say? I have no, I have no time. Time is the most valuable thing. Nobody has time. I said, you have time. All the time in the world. You know, you are rich. Very rich. You have time, which even the American does not have time. The Chinese does not have time. The Indian does not have time. But you have time. The question is, what will you do with this time? Okay. And the most powerful ministry God has given is intercession. I said, you were driven out of a country. You have taken refuge in another country. You passed through another country. And you have another country on the north of you. Four countries. Start interceding. Mm. Start interceding. Lord, we intercede. Become intercessors. Make use. You know what? Because you are very rich in time. And a few years later, you go over there. Nobody is there. God moved nations, settled them in Australia, Sweden, U.S. Now, wherever you go, they are there. They started churches. Many of them are pastors doing pretty well. They're all over the world. The campus empty. You know why? Because they had one thing. They had one thing, and they used it. They had time. So, you should be rich. You cannot be poor. Pastor, somebody said, consumption without contribution is equal to entitlement. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
that is what happened to another generation in america now what happens no their their forefathers even when they were rich they were hard workers but the children went into entitlement and now they are going down very very fast very fast the nation is going down if god doesn't intervene put a foot on the brakes it will spiral out of control i don't know which way it is going i still hope god gives us all some space we need america's voice the actual america's voice back in the global platform somebody to speak for the poor yes pastor. pastor again current affairs i think should look at this this is question number 11 11 uh the war between ukraine and russia are we in those times that the undisclosed putin as a pig head would you say he will have to pay for this on earth or this is not ours to judge we are we are uh, i mean because the war is in europe remember because the war is in europe unlike what we call the third world it's in europe that's why it's so strange because we never had a war like this in europe after 1945 after the end of the second world war this is the largest war you are having in europe and uh, nobody is doing anything mm. everybody is scared to do everything nobody is you know and uh, it's like a thug is threatening everybody don't even dare to intervene and all like that you know and uh, everybody blinked everybody blinked you know we have had crises like this before in the international field and at that times you had uh, uh, tough leaders yes churchill and yeah. churchill was there kennedy was yeah. there when the cuban missile crisis came in kennedy was tough and the russians withdrew Okay, they were tough leaders who took tough decisions because you know when it comes to these kind of leaders, you can't blink. With a bully, you should never blink. Mm. Okay, and if simple lesson learned with the dogs: don't run away from a dog. Don't run. Turn around and stop and look at him. He will stop. Learn first to deal with the dog. He's a bully. He sees fear. He will chase you. Don't run from a dog. Even now, even two days back when I was going, the dog chased me on my bike. I stopped and said, "What's your problem?" And he turned back and he even ran away. I stopped for it. I won't stop for a man. I'll always stop for a dog. Mm-hmm. You don't chase my scooter. I mean, what got to do, do with you? I'm on the road. It's dark road by the government. Why are you chasing my scooter? Okay. <laughs> Just like my scooter I will stop my scooter turn around and look at him and he will turn around and run okay because you don't blink before a bully this guy is a bully okay a bully and he know but of course beyond that there's a lot of other things happening behind but the end is definitely getting closer and closer and closer how close we do not know we only look at the seasons and the question is would you say he will have to pay for this on earth we don't know how it will work out but let me tell you about two people one is stalin stalin was a thug bigger thug than this fellow okay he killed i don't know how many million russians he killed 10 his own people 10 15 million russians he killed these are tyrants people do not understand history because history has been wiped out and whitewashed okay these are thugs stalin's daughters own personal testimony is that at her father's deathbed and never want to be on the deathbed of another man he was tormented by the demonics when he was dying he was literally being pulled down to hell when he was dying the torment another was the atheist walter yeah walter how he died he's tormented when he was dying so even if he will not have to pay literally he escapes it you know what will happen he will pay for it eternally 
he will pay for it eternally. But the thing is that you never know. He may pay in this life itself. Like Saddam Hussein did, Gaddafi did. You never know. No, if this war goes wrong, he will have a revolt in his own country. Okay, there will be a purse. You know, tyrants don't sit easy. Tyrants don't easy. If there is, you remember how communism fell in Russia. It fell in Russia. It fell in Russia. And the people came out on the streets. See, they are all surviving with the power of the military. But what they don't understand about the military is the military has oh, families. The families exactly. <laughs> they are people too. The military, so they are people too. Mm. They are not people without brains. And they all have families. And when the dead body starts coming home, when the dead bodies, the coffin starts coming home, 10 comes, 100 comes, 1000 comes, 2000 comes, they are looking, why are our children dying? What are their sons dying for? What? What for Ukraine? Why are we fighting? At the end of the day, for 75 years, we were one nation, we are brothers, what are we fighting here for? And he may be toppled, and if he's toppled, he will be killed. If he's toppled, he will be killed, he will stand for war crimes. He may hung be, his own people will kill him. They may kill him. Same thing with China too. His own people may kill him. If he, that's why they, you have no clue how these people live. They live in fear every day. They don't trust anybody. They have a small set of people circling them, the kind of security they have, you know. It is like like Western prime ministers and Swedish or British. They all walk on their cycle and they go. They will have security watching from far away. But they don't fear like these people fear. These people live in fear every day, including our leaders. Live in fear every day. That's why they need that kind of security. That kind of security. You don't. You need this kind. See the kind of security. Whenever you see, okay, the American president has security. Trump had security when he was president. But he also went to the crowds and mixed with them, shook hands with them. So you also know that kind of a threat is in there. But these people, Indian leaders at the top, Chinese leaders, Soviet leaders, Russian leaders, they live in fear every day because of the way they have dealt with their own people. They have dealt with their own people because these people all have blood on their hands of their own citizens. No, so that's why. Will he pay for on this earth? Maybe he may pay. No, it's not, we don't have to even judge about it. How he will pay it, it, we do not know. But eternally he will pay because I don't even think this man can be saved. I don't think many of these top leaders cannot be saved. They have gone beyond. They have gone be given over to a reprobate mind. So it's almost like if you look at the way their mind is working and their actions continue, you know they are, that God has given them over. They have given them over. I don't think these people will be saved. Because looks, I'm, I'm not saying anything is impossible with God, but if you look at the way these people are going, they're like Pharaoh. They are, like Pharaoh. Mm. they are being literally being pulled to their own destruction. They are being pulled to their destruction. So we are in those times. Yes, we are in those times. But because it is in Europe, like I said, after 90, it's, it's 45, 45, 55, 22, 77 years. Second major war after. And the danger of it is, it's, is because these are all nuclear powers. That's the danger. It's not like America going into Iraq. These are all nuclear powers. And there is a danger of Middle East getting involved in it. All things are falling into place. Iran is playing. And you look at all the people who have 
congratulated kind of <laughs> one is Syria, one is Iran. Okay, all these people are siding up with Putin, Russia. with Russia. Okay, because Russia has been with them. You no, know? so you need to realize India kept quiet. They remain neutral in the United Security Council. Okay, they didn't go along with it, so it was not a good thing. Mm. Should have. But you need to realize why did we re- we remain quiet? We mm. It's always been like that since beginning. Yeah, no, no, no. We Even Israel also non-alignment yeah, movement, yeah, right? No, also. no. But after recently and all this thing, but with this situation, knowing that they are blatantly breaking a treaty, the reason it is all political moves. Okay, so the Ukrainian representative of the United Security Council asked India, what are you talking about neutrality? Why don't you, you want the war to cease, right? Because your students are in our country, hmm. 20,000. Our guys also know yeah. 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 No, But it's all politics. It's all politics, no. It's an issue with politics. Because we should have voted against by saying that it's an unfair war. What are you doing in Ukraine? You can't do that to people. I mean, I can understand, but going in with your entire army, tanks, armored, missile strikes on cities, I mean, that is a full-scale war. You don't do that. No, you don't do that. Also, if any country, like, for example, a, a nuclear country like, uh, uh, like let's say, France or U.S., if they were to intervene, will it precipitate into a full-scale war? Because of who Putin is. That's the issue. That is that is the issue. Like uh, America, technically, uh, India, technically, India. Now I cannot say, but technically, India, America, genuine democracies won't do first strike option. They won't do. But dictators in the back is like, let us talk about Saddam Hussein or Gaddafi. If they had, they would have used it. Anything. Chemical weapons or nuclear weapons, they would have used it because you're, you're going to be killed anyway. Mm. Okay, because it's a tyrant. It's not a democracy. And an American president or an Indian prime minister has to go through different channels, all those things. Okay, only if it's a real, real desperate situation, they will use it. Otherwise, they won't. They have to go through. It's a democratic setup. So with, with uh, the Chinese guy and this guy, the issue is they are tyrants. So if they have to hold on to power and if this is the only way, they will do it. That is why the danger. That's the issue with Iran too. Yeah. That's why this, all these years everybody has been fighting to say Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. Because you cannot trust them. Because openly they say we get it, we will finish Israel off. Okay. And Israel has nuclear weapons, but Israel will not use it. Mm. Unless they are threatened from extinction, they won't use it. No, that is the problem with North Korea. These are tyrants. The problem is dictators is that when the dictator knows that they're coming after me and this is, he will use it to save and set the whole world up in flames. Okay. That is the danger with these idiots. Really, truly they're idiots. They have been propped up by, like you don't have to worry about America using nuclear weapons. So used in Japan, but that was connected with the world war to get them to surrender. But with U.S., France, Britain, Germany, Australia, France, the treaty, yeah, France. Germany. These are the nations that have nuclear weapons: Israel, India, Pakistan. And Pakistan is the only Muslim nation which has which has nuclear power, nuclear weapons, and that's when it has become dangerous. And Ukraine had, and they disarmed, poor fellows disarmed their nuclear weapons based on the treaty with Russia. 
that Russia would never invade and they disarm their nuclear weapons. If they hadn't disarmed, Russia wouldn't get in. Deterrent, yes. It's a deterrent. Nobody will fight a nation with nuclear weapons because it's, you know, it's harakari, it's suicide. Mm -hmm. Both will die. So you will try every other option and you will not go into war with them because it's a danger. That's why all these nations try to get a nuclear weapon. So that's how it works. So Putin will suffer. Putin will be one day put out. Hmm. Then his name won't be Putin. It will just, be put out. Because just like Justin will be just out very soon. <laughs> just out, okay. Just that's another, another one in Canada. Canada. He won't be Justin, he'll be just, just out. out. <laughs> Putin will be put out. <laughs> he's another, he's another tyrant. tyrant. He's another dictator. Okay, if you look at how each one is working in their own system, system, yeah. system, you need to realize that they are dictators. They have that, and though they were to, actually the leftists were calling all that about Trump, the fact of that he was not. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most democratic presidents of mm-hmm. U.S. He did almost everything. If you if you wanna look at it, if you wanna really evaluate presidents. Look at Obama, look at Trump, look at Biden, and look at executive orders which the presidents have given. And you will realize Trump's was the least. Because exercising your presidential power unilaterally is called an executive Mm. order. And he has done the least. He tried to go through the Congress and the Senate through everything. But they called him. See, whenever a communist calls you a liar, you need to be very sure he's lying. Exactly. Mm. That's how it works. That's how uh, how propaganda works. Communists are propaganda experts. They're very good at propaganda. And whenever the leftists are calling somebody, you need to realize they are the ones who are doing it all. One by one by one by one, all their lies are. But the problem is, today's world, the problem is, media is controlled by one cabal. So you will not know anything. Unless you know how to search and find out through few media outlets are there. They are all controlled, but you have to cut through and find them. And then you will see there is truth over there. They will put you the facts over there. But because of the algorithms, which I don't understand, to search them and find them also is very difficult. Even now, if you look at YouTube, just open your homepage in YouTube. Not even a single channel will tell you about the Ukraine crisis. One or two, that's it. And all the others will be some movie or some other things that you've been searching for. Yeah. They deliberately yeah. don't want Let's to show, show you this more. thing over there. Chale, let's pretend. We're living in, but we should be excited because mm. he's coming back. Going home. I've been waiting for my house by the riverside for so many years. I asked him that. I want that clear water. I want my little house by the riverside. And I will get it. Uh, this is question number 15 again, part one, Pastor. This okay. is another question which uh, I think you should tackle. The first part, it's not the second part. Yes. The demonic pressures Satan directs against us may actually work for our good. They can serve as reminders of our need to walk before God in moment-by-moment obedience. Would you agree? Maybe this is one moment God permits them. Demonic pressure Satan directs against us may actually work for our good. I mean, it's a very vague question. But let me tell you about uh, I don't fully agree with that statement. Parts of it which may be true is that yes, we are asked to walk with God moment by moment in obedience. 
And in the process, we actually, if you look at it, if you go to Luke 10 and verse 19, it's very clear. Okay, Luke 10 and words, Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay, that's a blanket given. But to live in it, exercise it, it is not easy. It is not easy. Okay, it is not easy. It is, we have to. Honestly, I'm telling you, it is not easy. One of the greatest preachers in Christendom was somebody called Spurgeon. And he walked in depression almost all his life yes, because yes. of the demonic oppression he faced him. because of his ministry. Yes. Because the ministry. Because right from the beginning. Right from mm. the beginning. He walked in depression. Because the ministry. You are he died a very young person. Yeah. And if you look, that's what Elijah is going through. Mm. The 7,000 are not facing anything. The 100 are not facing anything. It's Elijah. It's, it is not AC because you are at the, you are the, what you, you are the point of the sphere. You are the point of the spear. You are literally fighting powers of darkness. Okay, so it is not easy. At a normal level, everybody goes through it. But at the other level of ministry, it is not easy. It is very, very difficult. Uh, but you are asked to exercise. You have to fight it. You have to walk by faith. And uh, you, we, we may talk about, but what about Apostle Paul? Let me tell you about Apostle Paul, the parts which we don't see. Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. verse eight, chapter one, verse chapter eight. Yeah, <laughs> Okay. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Don't make this very what a romantic view of Apostle Paul. He walked in depression at times, despair of life. Is I mean, he thought he was over. In spite of the vision and all that, this is what he went through. Then how he came through it is what he's talking about. He, you go through these phases. You are, you are human, living in a spiritual world with unbelievable attack. And verse 9, he says, okay, we went through that. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Okay, That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us. I mean, this man literally faced death everywhere he went. And don't tell me he's always like in the prison in Philippi, clapping and singing. No. When you're running for your life, you go. The only thing, he does not have the burden of a family to worry about. That's the only, that's a good thing. I mean, he doesn't have to worry about his wife being killed or his children being murdered. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's a single man. So that gives him an advantage. Gives him an advantage. But he went through it. He really, really went through it. If you read the book of Acts and him in the stranded in the ocean, till the angel actually came, he thought it was over. He said, we are going to die in the sea. That's actually, we, we gave hope for life. He thought, we are also going to die. And that's when the angel comes and tells him, no, you will not die. I have given everybody's life into your hands for your sake. So he went through that because at the end of the day, we are living in this material world. And if God doesn't directly intervene and tell us, we will think it is over. And God does not have to tell us. He's not obliged to give give us, tell us, you don't have to worry. He says, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Walking by faith does not mean you will keep hearing all the time. Okay, walking by faith means 
walk by what you have heard already heard yes until i tell you Next it is book. different until i tell you take your son your only son and offer him as a sacrifice until, until he ties him on the altar and lifts up Three days he's hoping God will change his mind, God will change his mind, God will change his mind, God will change his mind. Hmm. Nothing is happening. Absolutely. The third day says that's the mountain. And climbs up the mountain. Okay, when I'm going up the mountain, maybe he will tell go down. Doesn't say anything. Ties him up the altar. Okay, finally lifts the knife. Then God says, think about it, what Abraham is going through. through the three days, three days. Know what he is going through. Okay. That's not easy. No, three days is not easy. And that's how God does it. You have to trust me. I am who I am. No, Pastor, mm-hmm. I just want to ask you this question. Um, we have to go back to that yeah, question. Yes, yes. Just, okay. I mean, in the context of what you're talking about, this is, uh, can you just put for me in Psalm 91 again, and verse 4, if you don't mind, uh, 3, 4, 3, 4, 5, 4, 5 onwards. Yeah. Yeah, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And look at what it says in verse 4. Mm. You shall not, uh, it was 5, mm. sorry. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, okay? Mm. The arrow that flies by day. Verse 6, mm. uh, pestilence that walks in darkness and the mm. destruction that lay, lays face in one day. There's, there are four kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's, part, it's covering every part of the day, mm. literally. Now, that means, in other words, a believer, this is obviously talking about uh, David, mm. who's aware of the fact that there's a, a kind of an attack which is happening over him. Day and night, day, yeah. Every part of the day, virtually, yeah. because he's covering all the times. Mm. But when we know this is happening, how do we, first of all, recognize that this is what it is? And how do we walk uh, in, in, in because, because the question is talking about this d- demonic oppression one is going through. Mm. How do we recognize it and how do we walk? Uh, but, but that we overcome it and not allow it to influence See, the first, our walk with first the thing of overcoming i mean first thing first part of it is that you have to understand the fact that literally really really believe the fact death has been overcome yeah yes. that is the key thing every every fear is ultimately connected to death mm. okay connected to death if you know something cannot kill you you will not be afraid of it. Mm. You will not be afraid of it. Okay? There is no punishment or no consequences coming from it. It does not matter how bad it is. It won't, it, it won't cause fear in you. Fear is based on consequences and ultimate consequences of death. And that's the first thing that God does. He frees you from the fear of death and you have to receive it. You have to believe it that even if I die, I don't die. I just cross over. I go, I'm going home. You have to think about death as going home. You have to recalibrate your <laughs> mind. Okay, I still remember from class 8 onwards, I started traveling alone from class 8. Yeah, class 8 from Kerala to Bhutan. Okay, three trains, four days, started traveling. And it didn't matter. You knew where you were going. You were going home. home. Unless, that's why the Bible says it. These things don't happen automatically. There has to be a renewal of your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, renewal. One of the renewal of mind is, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, and verse one, 1 and 2. Okay? 1 and mm-hmm. 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on. That's why even now I said, I'm looking for my house by the riverside. Honestly. 
Because even if I get a great house on earth, how long can I live on it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. How long can I live on it? Mm-hmm. How long can I enjoy it? You know, because the problem is it does not matter what you get on earth. Your body is not going to cooperate. Mm-hmm. It is not going to enjoy it. Whatever you like today, your body is disliking it lesser and liking it lesser with the capacity to enjoy anything is going down because your body is in the set of corruption. Corruption is set in. It is going down. That's why you young people may think, I'm having a blast. That's because you're young. Wait a little later, you will realize all that joy. Okay. Let me ask you a simple question. I can put you, okay. Which class are you in? Would you like to go back to class six? No. Why? Why? Wasn't it fun in class six? More easy, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. No, you don't want to go back. You see. So you need to realize in class ten, you have lost the joy of class six. You won't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. That's the truth of life. In this life, you're losing it. You're losing it. But on the other side, this body's restriction is taken out. So one of the first things of overcoming is understanding the nature of death. For a believer, death is going home. Reorient your mind around heaven. Around heaven. Then, second thing, then you look down on earth, if you realize is that if heaven is my real home, and that is where I am going, and it is going to be, let us put in our terms, fun forever. No pain, no sorrow, no grief, joy forever. Then I need to turn around and look and say the second, then the next thing that matters on earth is relationships. Mm. I need to take everybody I love home. Mm. Because then one thing in heaven I will miss is, I will miss people. I mean, think about, I mean, honestly, as a father, think about me and my, if our children are in there, one child is missing. One child, it will be an eternal regret. One child is missing. Okay, you wouldn't know if you were to come and tell me, like, for the Lord gives me a vision by saying, your, this child will be missing. Boy, we would shut down everything and go into a 21 day fasting. Thought, not that one, not any one of them we want. So suddenly you look at life differently. That is heaven. That is eternity. And look around and you say, the only thing that matters is relationships. Love God with all your heart, all your mind. And that's all there. We'll be with him forever. No tear, no sorrow. He will then love your neighbor. What is your true love for your neighbor? You want him home Mm. with you. Life changes completely. Changes. It changes completely. So the first thing about when you're going back to that question is that overcoming over that is that you have to... Moment by moment. Okay. The first thing you have to... You have to overcome the demonic. The first thing is that you have to overcome the fear of death. Fear of death. Second thing, like if you look at the two primary examples in the new covenant, even in the old covenant, but primarily in the new covenant, one of course is Jesus, and the second is Paul. You need to know your purpose. Focus makes a lot of difference. This purpose gives you focus. You know you are saved. But second thing is, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because you need to understand, if you don't understand purpose, you don't have a motivation to fight the demonic. And you don't even understand what the demonic is after. The thief comes to steal. What is he stealing? What is he stealing? Hmm. He's stealing first, first your destiny. Hmm. He's after your destiny. He knows the means you are born again or you're inclined towards that, or you're born in a Christian family, he knows this one can get saved. Mm. 
Mm. And he knows your entire family history. He knows your mother prays for you. He knows your grandmother has prayed for you. You know, your grandfather has dedicated his coming generations to the Lord. He knows your entire history. And he knows this is dangerous. This one has to be tripped early. Like iniquity from the other side plus righteousness also flows. Yes. Righteousness also flows. I have given this land to you and your descendants. So every descendant of Abraham is dangerous for the enemy. Mm-hmm. Man or woman, he has to go after them. He's watching them. He's watching them. He's watching them because he knows Abraham's seed has been promised this. Okay, and he's thinking before Jesus comes, he's thinking like this. It's just a, uh, who is the, the seed of the woman shall crush. So first he sets up Reuben. Reuben is gone. He's a firstborn. The firstborn is dangerous. Second, there is one girl over there. Is it going to be the seed of the woman? Is this the girl? Messes her up. Two out. Dina is gone. He's looking through that. So you need to realize being born in a Christian family is a privilege. But it is also an attack because the enemy is after you. So there is a demonic after God's children, God's people. So you need to look at it and you need to ask ourselves this thing is that, first, I will not fear death because that's been taken care of. Second, I will not walk without purpose. I need to know my purpose. Lord, I know you have a purpose for me because purpose defines a lot of things. When you know purpose, uh, when you know purpose, let me, let me, Put it across this way. If you were to take your vehicle and drive from here, let us say to Secunderabad, because you're on the road, you know the obstacles. You know the obstacles. You know where you have to turn. You know where you have to stop. You know where you have to slow down because you are on a road. So because you're on the road, everything starts making sense. But if you're going through life without aim, even if the devil is attacking you, you don't know what is he attacking you for. Because you yourself don't know your purpose. Though the devil knows, you don't know. So he's attacking you before you can become a threat in his in his kingdom. But you do not know why is he attacking you or that he's attacking you. You don't even understand. So you need purpose. You need purpose. And from purpose, you will understand this is why he's attacking me. And then because of purpose, the second thing you need to know is that how do you fight this? How do you fight it? There's a real battle going on. I'm telling you there's a real, real battle, whether you're aware or not. There is a battle that is going on. God is watching over you. But the problem here is that if God wills, it does not work. There's this human part of it. There's God's part of it. God will not do what I should do, and I cannot do what only God can do. The problem is many people are like, like, no, if it is God's will, it will come to pass. No, it will not come to pass. Even if it is God's will, you have to do your part. Mm. You have to. You have to do your part. If you don't do your part, it will not come to pass. Even if it is God's will. You discover God's will and then you do your part. And to do your part, there is knowing the ways of God. How does God do? Like we know in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. And the key is that there's one word in that. By which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, how do I partake of the divine nature? Through these, mm. through these, in your battle against the enemy. See, if you look at this as a demonic attack and how you overcome. If you become partakers of the divine nature, you have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Mm. What are the demons 
trying to do partake of in the world the corruption of the world that's all they are trying to do the ruler of this world is trying to get you to partake of his world how do you escape it you can escape it only if i partake of his divine nature because his divine nature will not partake of this world but how do i partake of his divine nature the promises the promises that is where we need to know the promises what is faith basically faith how do you live by faith you are living based on promises one promise to another promise to another pro- into every like i said every area like psalm 91 pastor vijay put up three verses those are all promises but those three verses are not enough if there's not an area in your life yeah. which is not covered by a promise it's not a single area you think about one area you just think about an area in life and tell me which or that area is not covered in the bible it is covered in the bible if it is not covered in the bible god cannot ask you to live by faith because mm. faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of god that means it is covered in the word of god it's absolutely nothing in principle everything for life and, and everything if you look at verse 3 that's what verse 3 exactly. is his divine power has given us everything, everything. not something yeah, same thing verse 3 Okay, His divine power has given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. And how do we partake of it? Through the promises. Take life and take it. Honestly, it's a simple thing to do. This is how you should do your studies. Take a piece of paper or a notebook, write down your 24-hour day and ask, what are the things that I do on a regular day? Okay, first thing is sleep. You wake up from sleep. You sleep, right? Sleep. go to the bible and you will realize how much the bible has to say how sleep takes place mm-hmm. i will give you two these things about sleep because everybody will go to sleep soon so psalm 127 1 and 2 and psalm 131 put, put all the three nlt put it in nlt please okay yeah nlt nlt please quickly okay, okay. unless the lord builds a house the work of the builders is useless unless the lord protects a city guarding it with sentries will do no good it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night anxiously working for the food to eat for god gives rest to his loved ones so there is a principle here unless god builds and unless god watches you are not going to enjoy your rest you will wake up even more tired and anxious and everything now go to a real man who understood this who had so many problems mm-hmm. with the king and his army chasing him this is what this man <laughs> says psalm 131 three, three verses three oh, verses oh, only oh, right lord my heart is not haughty nor my eyes lofty neither do i concern myself with great matters nor with things too profound for me Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother like a weaned child is my soul within me o israel hope in the lord from this time forth forevermore just three verses is you know what i have just come lord i can't handle this so lord i leave it to you and i'm going to sleep thank you good night that's what he was saying i don't know how to handle this crisis so you know what i'm handing it over to you. i know you don't sleep anyway let me sleep thank you he goes to sleep These are fundamental things. Like I kept saying about that. I, I mean, I'm telling you because these are fundamental truths, revelations in the Bible. Why is that Jesus could go to sleep in a boat and a storm hits? The boat is about capsizing, and the, the disciples are panicking. They wake him up, and he wake him up out of sleeps, and immediately comes the the whole thing. Why? Because he went to sleep in rest, mm. in faith. Mm. 
If you and don't you go to, in, and you woke up in, in faith. faith, if you don't go to sleep in faith, you will mm. wake up. You won't wake up in faith. Mm. So rest is not a small thing. It's an enormously important thing. Enormously important thing. So in the same way, take because go to Romans 14 and verse 23. Okay. How do you overcome the demonic? Is the simple principle is this. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. So if it is not sin, that means the demons have lost. How do you know the demons have won? Only in sin. If you overcome sin, that's sin. Okay, if you overcome sin, that means the demons have lost, you have won. So take that word, eat out. Take that word. Put anything else you want over there. He who, he, he who doubts is condemned if he studies. Because he does not study from faith. Kya baat? <laughs> Super. For students. If you don't study by faith, you are you'll always be anxious. Will I get a job? Will I pass? Will I you know what? God says oh, you're condemned because you don't believe I'm in control of your life. Hmm. Okay? Look anything. Anything in life. Hmm. Anything in life, take that that's why God brings it down to the lowest common denominator. What is that? We all eat. Common about everything as we all eat. So he brings over there and says, now put that principle into anywhere in life. If it is by faith, you will overcome. Overcoming the demonic is basically overcoming the world. 1 John 5, 4. How do we overcome the world? By faith. And we are born again to overcome. Look at that. Whatever is born born of of God God. overcomes the world. And this is the... Victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. Mm. Now let me ask you this question. Is that grammatically right? No, it's not grammatically mm-hmm. right. Whatever. It is, should not be whatever. It should be whoever. Mm. Theologically correct. <laughs> grammatically wrong. Theologically correct. Are you whatever? No. no. I say whatever you want to say. But I don't say whatever. I will say whoever. But what does it say whatever? If something which you have, you are born again. And you have something. <coughs> if that is also born of God, it will overcome. So, Moses has a rod. Forty years he's been with his rod looking after sheep. God says, put it before me. Now take it up again. Once he takes it up again, it is not called the rod of Moses. It's called the rod of God. Technically, the rod has become whatever born of God. After that, the rod can't fail. Mm. It will overcome the world. Mm-hmm. It will destroy the mightiest army of the world, the Egyptian army, because that rod is born of God. Mm-hmm. It was your rod, but it is born of God. Mm-hmm. In the same way, you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but now you are born of God. That's how you overcome. The demonic has no answer to faith. Because through faith, the very divine power of God comes in. But you have to apply. I'm not saying there's not a hard work in it. There's yes. a lot of hard work in it. Discipline is there. Fasting is there. Prayer. Everything is connected with faith. Studying the word of God is there. Loving is there. Working hard. Taking care of others. All, all these things are part of the work of life. Like Everything is there. It is not that faith is like a... God is not a magician. The devil is a magician. God <laughs> is, okay. <laughs> devil is a magician. That's why he says, Bow before me, I will give it to you. He's a magician. But he'll take your soul with him at the end. God is not a magician. He's a hard worker. So there is work in mm. faith. And there is no work, your faith is dead. Yeah. Yes, Pastor Vijay. One more very important question I think we should okay. tackle is this question number 13. Pastor, this is, I think, also on the same lines. 
Some people are under demonic oppression who do not know how to get free. I didn't get the next word. That's an enduring person, actually. Oh, enduring. Uh, an enduring. An enduring because I think it's degrees of, of torment that demons inflict. What should you suggest uh, in the last days? Many of them got delivered from your wife and you praying, but some did not. Could you help us and teach us so we can help them and teach them? Okay, there can be many reasons. Okay, oppressions. One, like I said, is uh, people. Uh, See, one of the easiest way to get delivered is to understand what baptism is. Why did God put the institution of baptism in the church? Only two institutions in the church. One is baptism, yes. the other is the Lord's table. Only two things. There's nothing in the new covenant. Only two things. Why is baptism? And it's not that you're getting baptized. You really understand and you believe in your baptism. Because literally when you go down under the water, you are saying, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. When I come up, I'm coming as a new person. And the new person is born of God. And that the enemy has no no hold over that new person. But you have to live in your light of your baptism every day. Mm. Okay. But when you're going into your baptism and you're talking about death, See, a physical death, you will understand. Oh, that person is dead. I can talk to him. I can say there is no response. It is gone. But in your baptism, the old man has to die. Okay? And it is progressive. It's progressive. You have to keep dying. Because one of the things you say, there are dogs outside. You kick them, they will bite you. But if the dog is dead, you kick them, there is no response. So you always have to see when things are happening to you or people are saying to you, how is your response? Do you know why you respond the way you respond? Is because you are not dead. Mm. Dead people don't respond. So whenever you are faced with a situation, learn for the new man to respond. Mm. New man to respond, mm. not the old man to respond. It is a renewal of the mind. It is a practice. Mm. It is a practice. So baptism is one of the fundamental things to liberate you from demonic oppression because you are telling. Of course, the enemy will come back at you madder because now you have declared in the heavenly realms that you belong to Jesus. He says, I will prove to you, you do not belong to Jesus. But you have gone through the institution. I'm telling you, just okay. Two young kids, our girls are sitting over here. Now let us say you have a boyfriend. Let us say, okay, I'm hoping you don't have, but let us say you have a boyfriend. Okay. Imagine you go to school or college where you are his thing. You will be very scared to walk with that boy outside. You will say, Oh my gosh, if Papu sees or Ma sees or the driver sees and go tells Ma, I will get the end of it. You're so scared. Really? Honest? Very, very scared. Okay, very, very scared. Now imagine five years now, six years now, the same boyfriend you get married. No, are you scared to walk with him? No. Okay. That is the whole thing you need to understand. Baptism is your union with Christ. Union with Christ. The enemy will come after you. But your victory comes from the fact that you know I am united with Christ. Um, I am united with Christ. That is from your victory comes. Fear goes. And you are not ashamed. Victory comes from that. The second thing you need to realize is that there are many things in our families, 
it doesn't matter what background you come from christian or hindu or muslim it does not matter what background you come there are things our forefathers have done knowingly hidden we do not know many many of them have made covenants for their success in life okay if you are a muslim father you had a business or whatever or anyway when a muslim child is born in a this thing the first thing is that they give the child over to their god mm. if you are born in a hindu family they will give and give it to your god or the father will say all my generations i give it to you that is how if you see in your in the hindu system you have many gods and you have a household yes, god yes yes you have a household god that means this household has been dedicated to this god for generation after generation and that follows you that follows you in christianity the danger is i'm not talking about catholicism i'm talking about christianity is that even in american christianity what has happened is that most of the men the forefathers were freemasons yes they were freemasons and they made covenants on the, with the other side they acted like very kosher christians but they have made their covenants and it follows their children it follows their children and it is a legal it's a legal thing it's a legal that's why it is in baptism you have to believe and die to all anything that your father your mother your grandfather your grand you look at first corinthians second uh, corinthians 5:17 why do you think these verses are put over there it has to be factually true for you therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new why do we need a new creation why do we need a new creation why can't i just reform myself god says you can't there are factors behind you you have no idea at all you have to become a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new the question is has all things passed away no it has to pass away with a really replaced with the new things if the old things have let me ask you a simple question for people who and we all come from homes how long will you keep your garbage in your house Why don't you keep garbage in your house? What does it attract? James. What does the old man attract? The demons. The old man attracts the demons. The new man attracts the spirit. In the spiritual realm there are two things so the spirit of God and the demons. The old man attracts the demons. Okay, that's why I said put it off, throw it away. The new man attracts the spirit of god so you have to learn to die to the old man every day and love in the new that's how demonic oppression comes demonic oppression so demons can oppress you unless you give them something to yes. oppress with you cannot that's the bible says and one of the simple things in ephesians 4 and uh, about anger and that one simple four, again simple yeah, examples 30, god gives 4 uh, 14 or 15 no 25 20 after 20 okay if 18 19 that portion efficiency for yeah 25 26 27 okay 26 27 uh be angry 26 27 i want it together okay okay or let's look from 25 on yeah, okay 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 put away lying 
Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay? Let me, let me look at the whole thing. I don't think we just begin with 25. We need to look at the whole context. Because sometimes, no, no, no. Sometimes what happens is we, yeah, 25 onwards. 25 onwards is fine. Okay? Put away lying. Let each one of you speak with truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Mm. Go to 28. Okay. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, which is good that he may have something to give him who has. Let's look at the three things mentioned here. One is lying. One is getting angry without reason. Fourth one is stealing. You do any of these three, you give the devil a two-hold. Anger. We always connected it only with anger. But thought you have to read the whole chapter. Any of these things you do, you are allowing the enemy in. The so Bible says, don't lie. Don't lie. Don't be angry. Don't steal. Don't do these things because you know what? He's a liar. He's a thief. And he's always angry. He's so angry with man because God loves man and he was kicked out and man is going to get his position. So he's so angry. He's a liar. He's a thief. So God says, don't give him a toehold into your life. Okay. Now God does not lie. God doesn't steal. But God gets angry. So when you are angry, see that it brings forth the righteousness of God and not unrighteousness. So be very careful when you, when you are angry. Be very, very, very slow to anger. So that's what the Bible is talking about. How does demonic operation comes? One side, it can come through your family line because of something that happened. Second, you might have opened a door for the enemy and the enemy is in and he's not releasing you. He's not releasing you because you know what? That's why the Bible talks about Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and the righteousness is... Why does he ask us to seek righteousness? Righteousness is a byproduct. Mm. A byproduct. There are laws, there is judgment, and there is justice, and the result of it is righteousness. righteousness. Yes. That is how. Righteousness is the final product. There are laws. And you look at the laws and make judgments. Mm. And when you make the judgments are right, what yeah. comes out is justice. justice. And the result of justice, you have righteousness. So God is saying, understand, that's how righteousness comes. So he says, you need to understand laws. laws. How my kingdom functions. Did you give the devil a legal right to come into your life? If it is there, repent, plead the blood, cancel it off. Because he knows me. He knows I am righteous. He knows my loss. Okay. Why did the devil tempt Adam and Eve to eat the fruit? Because he understands God's kingdom. If you eat, you will die. God has said it. It cannot go back. It will not go back. So tempt them to break that law. Automatically it will follow because God is righteous. God is righteous. Mm. His laws are righteous. So they eat and God comes, oh, it is okay. I love you so much. You will not. I changed my mind. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. They will die. Now God has to work in his love to save them. So he has to die now to save us. So understand that is how it works. Mm. That's why he asks us to see. So we always have to cancel legal grounds. Repentance, one meaning of repentance 
is if you repent and if you confess, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's faithful to forgive. Why do I have to do that? Because you're canceling the toehold you gave the enemy, the legal right to give your enemy. Look like when we rent a house, you know, usually abroad here all, we make a legal agreement. agreement. In that agreement, it will say either party, if he wants the house back or I want to leave, give two months notice. So that's a legal clause. So the landlord comes and says, I want the house next week. But I said, I cannot move. No, you have to move. But I said, there is a clause. You have to give me two months notice. Okay, so so if he really pushes, you can take it and you can win your case. He said two months, I want two months. But it's illegal. Though the property belongs to him, he agreed. So when you lie, when you steal, when you get angry, or when you do any of the things which God has mentioned, don't do, you give him a legal right. Mm. Now how do you cancel the legal right? The legal right is one by repenting, second by confessing. Third, by pleading the blood. Mm. The reason is that you have to pay a consequence for your breaking the law. But he says, when you repent and confess, I will pay the mm. price. You cannot pay the price because the price every time is death. Every time, exactly. There's no other price for sin. Mm. The price for every sin is death. Mm. Whether you say a lie or whether you steal, the price is always the same. Mm. What is the wages of sin? Yes. It's always death. The question is, either you die or he dies. And he has died. He said, can you can withdraw from my death. I died for it. I died for all sin and all your sins. Once we understand the reality of what it is, you know what it will happen? We will start backing back and we'll stop sinning. My gosh, my sinning is costing him this. That's what the Hebrews was saying. You're trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. You consider it something of course. Then you realize, you know what? I really want to walk by faith. Because the only way I can stop sinning is by walking by faith. If you walk by faith, I stop by sinning. And when you walk by faith, another thing you are doing is you are valuing the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, and God is pleased. Mm. So you need to ask yourself, why is God pleased when you walk by faith? You value the life of his son that was paid. God says, you know what, the real people who value what my son did are those who walk by faith. Because when you walk by faith, you do not sin. And when you walk by faith, actually what happens is the demonic oppression is outside. It does not get inside. He's trying to oppress you from outside, but he cannot oppress you from inside. You overcome. You overcome the demonic. So you have to look, cause. sometimes you have to fast and pray. You have to ask. See, to be delivered in a prayer is one thing. Walking in your deliverance is a difficult thing. Mm. It's not easy. Let me tell you, it is not easy. It's your mind. Mm. That's why God says, mind, meditate upon my word. God could deliver them out of Egypt in one day. But 40 years, he could not get them out of the Egypt mindset. He couldn't get the mindset. That, the second generation could. He got Egypt out of their minds. Most of them did not know Egypt. Trained them in the word of God. They were ready to go and possess the land. So deliverance is like that. But that's what he tells a man for 38 years. He says, pick up your mat and walk. Then he meets him in the temple and tells him, don't sin again. Something worse will happen. You know why you reached like this. It's between you and me. Nobody has to know. You know how you reached here. I'm telling you, don't go that route. You go that route, you will be crippled for the rest of your life. You'll die like this. So walk in your deliverance. So how do you walk in your deliverance? You walk by faith. But 
when you fast, when you pray, when you ask, God will also ask, show you what is the reason for your bondage. Where is it? Mm. Where is it? Your bondage. Okay? But remember, yeah. before I close, can you quote, go to that portion where that woman with that 18 years bend over? Luke 13. Yeah. Can you go to that Luke 13? I want to give you that exact verse about what Jesus says. Luke, Luke 4, 17, 17, 17, 17, sorry. Not Luke 17 or 31 second. Luke uh, uh, 13, I think it's 13. You just type 18, you will get. That's the only 18 in the new covenant. 13, 13 yeah, 13. Okay. Luke 13, 13, yes. Okay. 13 verse 10. Yeah, yeah, it's there, Pastor. It's there. Okay, okay, yeah. I want you to, you know what happened to her, okay? I want you to look at verse 16. So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Think of it. Think of it. She was bound. She doesn't know. Understand that. She doesn't know. She, she has taken it as normal. She does not know she's bound by Satan. A lot of things which happen to people, people don't even realize it is demonic. She's been walking like this for the past 18 years without realizing she's bound by Satan. It's a spirit of infirmity. It's a spirit that has bound her. Be loose from this bond on Sabbath. She's bound. You need to understand. And she does not know. She does not know. And she's a daughter of faith. And she's a daughter of Abraham. Mm. A child of the covenant who should not be demonized. But she's bound by Satan. Now, God is not getting into the nitty-gritties, how she got bound, why she got... He said, be loosed. Go free. Go free. Okay, so you need to realize she has... And she does not know. And you need to understand the fact that unless we hear the liberty the gospel brings, we don't even realize we are bound. We don't even realize we are bound. That's why Romans 14 talks about righteousness, peace, and righteousness you won't understand. Everybody understands peace yes, and joy. Yes. Do you know what peace is? That is what, that is a normal Christian life. Peace, in spite of all the storms, joy, which cannot be taken away by circumstance, that is the norm. And if it is not there, somewhere you are bound. You are bound. And you may not even know. You may take your actual life as the normal. God says that's not the normal. So unless Jesus comes in over there, she wouldn't know. She has taken, has said, no, he accepted it. Oh, I have a disease. And this is, God says, no, you are bound. Okay, and he has come to set us free. For this purpose, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. And the demonic brings oppression. The oppression in the mind gets into the body. It gets into the body. And the body is bound. The mind is bound. And God comes to set us free. So body can be set free, but the deliverance in the mind takes time. You have to consistently. So just before you stop, because I'm just getting a question here. Mm. In other words, there could be possibilities a brother, a believer who's walking with the Lord for quite some time. He's a believer because he's a, she's, a, she's a daughter of Abraham over here. Could be having a demonic oppression. He has absolutely no clue about it until God shows it to him. Or is it a, is it something which we can go through and say, Lord, show me where are the blocks? Uh, can, can I fast and pray and say, Lord, I find there's some block over here and I'm, 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 I'm sensing that there is no true freedom in the way I'm living my life. It comes with knowledge. Okay, Derek Prince uses this very interesting example. I think it was in Kenya. 
Kenya was going to be free. I think was it a British colony? I think the yeah, British, it was. It was. The it British, was. the British were leaving, so the Kenyans were all very happy. And I think he was in Kenya at that time. So he asked a Kenyan, uh, "How are you going to celebrate your liberty tomorrow?" He says, "I will ride my cycle on the other side of the road." <laughs> I mean, how is that liberty? Mm. Okay. Sometimes people don't even understand what liberty is because. Today also the British is there, and the British are very stickler about traffic rules on the right, on the left. Tomorrow the British are going, so I will drive my cycle where you will die in an accident. Liberty is not liberty to do wrong. Mm. You are not free. You are never free until you have the liberty to do right. Right, exactly. Okay. okay, that's right. So liberty is not the same thing for everybody. Okay, liberty is also progressive. It comes with knowledge. Okay. One, like I said, we have the general will of God. You walk in the general will of God. You have liberty in that area. Then you have the specific will of God. Okay. Jesus is the person who walks in absolute liberty. 30 years, absolute liberty. Why? General will of God. 30th year understands Go, this is my will for you now for. And he walks in perfect liberty because he says, for this reason I have come to do your will. Mm. Okay. So if you walk in general will of God, you walk in liberty. Yes. You understand freedom. If you, if you do not walk in the perfect will of God, you still do not understand what liberty is. Yes. You will still know I am missing something. Absolutely. Though I am not sinning. True, true, true. Though I am not sinning. Mm. I am still missing something. Exactly. I know. I know. This is not what I was made this for. This was not, not what I was made for. I was made So this is both at both levels. Basically, both. General level, there is a freedom you feel. I am not sinning against God. I am not sinning against God. Okay? I am not sinning against God. But, that still is not enough. There is a higher liberty when you are fulfilling God's purpose for you. That's a different kind of a liberty. So you have to have these both liberties. It is not enough to be a good Christian. Effective Christian. You have to become an effective, effective Christian. Christian. You just have to. You don't have to compare yourself. You mm. have to find out what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And fulfill it. Once you do that, you know what? You walk at liberty. And then, of course, you need to realize, just go to also First John 2 and verse 1. Don't walk under condemnation because that's the next trick of the devil. My little children, these things, because he's a father in faith, okay? He's not writing to little children. He's writing to big old people mm. in the church. But you know, once he becomes a father, they will address you like that. So <laughs> also will write, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Okay, you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's a puzzle of love. Okay, I mean, he's, he's absolutely right. a oh, puzzle thing, of love. Okay. So, you will look at it and he's saying that if you sin, don't stay there. I mean, I, 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 would, I, I would imagine Paul writing it says, my little children, these write to you so that you may not sin, period. And that's it. I don't think I'll find the other No, he also writes. You can see the mother in him writing, no, oh, I have to labor again, bring you back. I mean, he's also same heart. Yeah. yeah, no, that he talks about that. No, I have to birth Worth you all again. over again. And he's willing to do that. Mm. No, he really loves his sheep because you look at Acts chapter 19, how they cry when he's leaving. Yeah, he, they 
love him. They know. I mean, their father is both tough and loving. He's not just loving alone. He's tough and tough doesn't mean he's not loving. So Paul, Peter, John, all of them are of the same mold because they are imitable. What I'm saying is that don't walk under condemnation. You have an advocate. Mm. Run to him. Don't run away from God. The worst thing sinners make is they run away from from God. Run to God, you know, because he won't condemn you. Otherwise, the devil will make you run away from God, saying you're not good enough, you need to be right, and then get back with God. Tell him, no, I will never get back, become right, unless I get back with God. Okay, I was not right when he found me, so I can go back to him. Don't get into that trap. So, some in that home got delivered today, some have not. Don't feel bad. Go back to God and say, I understand it's your will that I need to be delivered. It is my will. It's your will. It's your, it's your desire. Okay. So take them through the process. Pray with them. Say, Lord, if there is any covenant that my forefathers have entered into where I was a part of it. And you all have seen our pastor Cyrus from Bhutan, Thimphu. You know, he was born in a Buddhist family and his forefathers had always given the firstborn to their whatever even their worship they given. So every firstborn died in their house. And Pastor Cyrus was born with a hole in his heart. And he was supposed to die. There's no way he could have survived at that time. But his father heard there is a small little church somewhere near their God heals. So one day the Buddhist parents came to church and told the pastor, Your God can have our son if he can heal him. If he can heal him. And you wouldn't believe, I mean, he went through surgery, but it was a miracle which God worked out for him because his parents were very, very poor, very, very poor, and there was no way they could have saved this. When this happened, the CMC team visited Thimpo, the doctors, and they said, we will do it for a fraction of the amount. Within days, the money was collected. He had an open-heart surgery, and he still, he became, a, he's the first one in his house to be saved. Then everybody in his house got saved. His sister got saved. His father got saved. His mother got saved. Everybody got saved, baptized. But if they hadn't brought him, I'm telling you honestly, if they hadn't brought him to the church, that curse would have worked. Mm. He would have died. So there are a lot of things that happen over there. So break it off. Mm. Whether you know it or not, it does not matter. Say, Lord, anything that has come down which gives the enemy a legal right in my life, I cancel it out in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I plead. I am a new creation in Christ. He has nothing over me. Second thing, sin gives him a right in your life. That's why the Bible says, do not sin. Do not give him a foothold. He only gets a foothold in, but that's enough. When you keep, when you sin a second time, the same thing, he puts his foot a little more. Then a third time, a fourth time, now the whole leg is in. It becomes a foothold, becomes a stronghold. Okay. First you were sinning. Now you are no longer sinning. Sin is driving you now. Yes. Then you need deliverance. deliverance. You need deliverance. That is where the Bible is saying simple solution. When you sin, quickly run, confess, get rid of it. Don't give him a foothold. Foothold. Okay. Like many people die of cancer. You know why they die of cancer? Because they never did a checkup. If they were diagnosed it when it came, they could have survived. 
taken it, okay, did it, taken it off, gone it off. But they did not, ah, it's just this thing, it's just thing. But it grew, it grew. By the time they reach over there, it is terminal state. They will say, now chances are very slow. And that's the nature of sin. The devil will fool you, fool you, fool you until it becomes bondage. And it is deep-rooted. Then you need deliverance. So the problem is who does deliverance? Who does deliverance? Who is there to do deliverance? There are very few people who do deliverance. And if you don't understand it, you will live like that. I mean, let us look at that question, this thing, you know, with the lady, we, look, we don't have to go there, we'll close now. If Jesus hadn't come to the synagogue, synagogue, she would have lived and died like that. If Jesus hadn't come to the pool of Bethsaida, she would have died there as a cripple. He came. Okay, and a lot of people die, like live and die like that because nobody came and told them there is deliverance in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. That is the gospel. That's what the Bible says. The gospel is the power, power of, of God, God and the salvation. Under salvation. Everyone he says, who believes. everyone, I am not, I am not. I will put that up. Two scriptures, I want to put it up. Okay? Romans chapter 1, Romans verse 16, 1, 17. 16. Okay, 16, primarily verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, you can say. And Hebrews 7.25. He saves us to the okay. uttermost yes. those who come to him through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Therefore, he is able to, he's also able to save us to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him, sin he always. So you are saved and he can save you to the uttermost. There absolutely no influence of the enemy is left in your mind. Body is not the main thing, it's the mind. The mind is free, the body is free. Absolutely. He is able to save. So we keep on going back, going to him, going to him, going to him. Because for he lives forever to make intercession. So... Everyone is on the road to deliverance. None of us are fully free. Okay? Not even me or Pastor Vijay, mm. not everything. <laughs> we have to look at Jesus and look, like, okay, I'm not free. Oh. And you can walk like Jesus, you can say, I am free. So none of us are. Okay? None of us are. Okay? That's why if you look at the first thing, that the same demonic, that question that one of the kids asked is, which is true. God puts us in trials and situations and testings and temptations by the enemy to show us we are not free. Mm. Because your reaction will tell you whether you are free or not. not. And when you come through a trial and you react exactly how God wants you to do, you are excited. You know you are free. You are free. You are free. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are free. That's that's that picture in the prison in Philippi. When people are beaten and thrown, all the prisoners there were beaten in and thrown in. That's the usual Roman custom. Give you a good beating and throw you mm-hmm. into prison. Okay. Suddenly they realize two people are singing, and then the captives realize these people are free. These people are free. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they also know they are free. It's not enough. The captives know they are free. Paul and Silas also know they are free. How do you know you are free? How do you know you're free? Unless the trial comes and you react in that trial exactly as the word and the spirit says, then you know you are free. Mm. Demons don't have. No. Let us say we both go home. Our wives irritate us and we are calm. They're not bothered. We are calm. We speak back softly. Or we get irritated. They speak softly. Either way. Mm. So who is in control says... I will not allow the demonic to affect me, even through my husband mm. or mm. even through my wife. You will not upset me. Mm. You will not. 
And that's what Jesus does with Peter. Now Peter comes and God says, Satan, get behind me. You are not going to fool me through Peter. You are not going to get into my head, even try to put that thought into my mind. I will not allow you. Because sometimes the temptation can be very yes, subtle, nicely mentioned, but you're able to see that that's not from God, and I'm going to eat that bait, swallow that bait. So it is a process. Amen. Amen. We shall pray. Yes, <laughs> Father, this evening, this night, Lord, our night, morning, afternoon, late night, different places. I commit the hearers, Lord. I especially commit the little young ones, not young, little ones, young ones are there listening. Some are excited because they were freed. Some are not. I speak now in the name of Jesus. Any iniquity, any curse that has come into their life, to the pipelines from their forefathers, to the father's mother's side, covenants they made, secret societies, oaths taken, which the enemy holds as a legal ground. I, as your servant now sitting here, I take authority in the name of Jesus. And I pray even as I pray, they will believe and they too will confess. We cancel it out all in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over this dear ones, O Lord. Let them know and confess Jesus has paid for it in full. Mm. As the enemy, you have no hold over me. I belong to Jesus because he bought me with his own blood, with his own life. I have been bought with a price. Mm. I do not belong to you. And I pray, Father, they will confess anything and everything that you show them. They will confess and you will forgive them, Lord. In your name, I speak forgiveness, O oh Lord. If they have sinned, forgive them, Lord. Let them pick up their mat and walk. Let them walk in freedom, Lord. Because that's what you did with that man who was a cripple, Lord. Brought down on a sheet through the roof. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now pick up your mat and walk. I speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you to take your hands off God's children. Leave in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. And I also speak, Lord. The word says the enemy will come back and find the house clean and empty. He will come back with six others. But I pray, Father, now, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let there be nothing empty. Nothing empty for the enemy to come. I pray, Father, there will be a divine impartation, Lord. That you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. You will give them a new language, the gift of tongues, O Lord. That they will continuously pray in these tongues and will allow the enemy no toehold in their life, O Lord. Speak that into them, Lord. Let them receive it by faith. For this purpose the Son of Man came, to set the captives free, to destroy the works of the devil. And your word says, O Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free and to preach deliverance to the oppressed. And I speak and I preach deliverance to everyone who is oppressed. Be set free in Jesus' name. Be set loose in Jesus' name. For you too are a child of Abraham by faith. If you are in Christ Jesus, You are a child of Abraham, an heir according to the promise. 
to walk in freedom as a child of the living God. And I commit everyone else into thy hands, O Lord. And I pray and I speak peace into everyone's heart. Strength into everyone's heart, Lord. I pray for Ace too, Lord. Mm. Today he has to speak if I'm right at the CPAC. And I pray you will give him wisdom. Mm. You'll put a guard over his lips. Pour grace over his lips. Mm. And he will speak with a different kind of authority, Lord. Mm. Knowing that the anointing of God rests upon him, Lord. That truly he will not speak as an ex-president. He will speak from there with the authority knowing he's a father to that nation, Lord. Mm. And as a father, he will speak with the zeal of God, our master. Mm. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless everyone in your name, Lord. Let the hand of God rest upon us. And if we tarry to come tonight, give us another day. Help us all to be in your house and worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. So God bless you. See you tomorrow.